Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Do you think the Daily Tech News Show is worth a nickel a show? Well, a lot of us do. Go to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support and join us. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, July 24th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I am Scooter Lane. And from Helsinki, or almost thereabouts, I am uh, Scooter Lane's friend, Patrick Bajan. <laughs> we are all the friends of Scooter Lane here, including our producer, Roger Chang. Yes, I have known Scooter for quite some time. It's true. We go Older way back. The trees. Since your school days, in ma- yeah. as a matter of fact. Yeah. Uh, well, we have uh, got a packed show, so let's carry on with a few tech things you should know. Brad Sams over at Therot.com has sources that tell him Microsoft is planning two different pieces of Xbox hardware, a traditional console and one for streaming games. And we're going to talk about this in a lot more detail a little later in the show. Indeed, we will, Scooter. Chrome 68 marks any website delivered without HTTPS as not secure. A secure connection can prevent ad injection and crypto mining, among other things. The warning will appear in the address bar next to the URL in gray. The EU has fined Philips, Asus, Pioneer, and Denon and Morantz a collective total of 111.2 million euros for imposing fixed or minimum online prices for their products. In other words, price fixing. Pioneer was also found attempting to restrict selling products across borders. All the companies admitted the wrongdoing in exchange for lower fines. Amazon Echo users can now adjust the treble, the mid-range, or the bass on their smart speaker inside the you know her, app, or by voice control. (laughs) Voice control is limited to English speakers in the U.S., at least at first. The initial rollout is happening now with other regions and languages coming soon. They're all about that base and trouble. (laughs) Facebook Hong Kong Limited has registered a subsidiary in China. Facebook said it will focus on training and workshops for software developers, similar to hubs in France, Brazil, India, and Korea. Yeah, but getting another another company like Google, like Apple, like Microsoft. Well, Microsoft has a lot more going on there, but you know, getting a little finger into China. 
All right. Uh, let's talk a little more about the Wall Street Journal reporting Monday that a U.S. Department of Homeland Security report claims Russian groups called Dragonfly or Energetic Bear used spear phishing attacks on U.S. energy suppliers to gain network credentials for access to U.S. utilities. You'll see the word 100 bandied around. That refers to the number of employees who were successfully spearfished, not the number of control centers. Robert M. Lee, CEO of security company Dragos, Inc., noted on Twitter that many of the reports are misleading and says the intrusions involved adversaries doing things like taking screenshots of interface panels out of manuals sometimes, most likely in preparation for further actions later. The U.S. power grid is complex, and while absolutely gaining any access to utility networks is very serious, it doesn't immediately lead to the capability to cause blackouts or other such measures. It could down the road if you don't do anything about it, but this is not. They're in con- they're in the centers, and they can throw the switch any time, as some reports may have led you to believe. Well, and it sounds like Robert Lee is saying the same thing. This could be an issue down the road, but he sees no evidence right now that it's anything more than, you know, some pictures here and there. I wonder how adequately they're trained um, if they're falling to spear phishing attacks. I mean, spear phishing, as we know, is targeted. So that's uh, relatively targeted. And as Alison Sheridan noted a few a week ago or something, um, Anyone can fall for some kind of attack, but um, given the nature of their job, everyone should be trained, I think, and not everyone is interested in tech and actually following how those things work. Um, but I'm guessing they have training programs. Yeah. Uh, and if they don't, now that now they will. We have another possible uh, preventative measure a little later in the show, too. Mm-hmm. Sources tell Bloomberg that Verizon is considering maybe partnering with Google or Apple for a TV service to offer 5G in Los Angeles and Sacramento and some other test markets, perhaps as early as later this year. Now, last month, Verizon folded its Go90 streaming app. As of uh, at a May investor conference, chief financial officer uh, Matt Ellis said that Verizon wants the outside help until it gets comfortable with its own Internet-based video service. Google's YouTube TV offers more than 60 channels on the live uh, TV app for $40 a month. Apple currently does not actually have a live streaming service, but we keep waiting for it to come out with one. Patrick, what are your thoughts? Would um, Verizon partner with Google or Apple? Uh, I think Apple needs partnerships. It's not like they have, you know, difficulty finding partners usually. But uh, the the thing, um, places or partners are getting rare, I think. Everyone is catching on that this is needed. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I think Apple might be uh, the – although would Apple partner with Verizon? Wouldn't they go for the big dog AT&T? I don't know. Maybe AT and T. Well, Verizon's a bigger dog than AT and T, right? Oh, is it? Okay. Well, uh, and they're both I, pretty big. AT and T may be bigger. I, I haven't looked at the two. numbers lately, yeah. but yeah, yeah, they're 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 the they're the top two in there. I, I think it's less about going with the big dog and more about Apple wants to control the user experience. It wants to control the subscription relationship and the data, which is one of the reasons we have all these weird things where you can't buy a Kindle book in the Amazon app. You have to go to the web. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I can't imagine that they would come to an agreement, although Verizon just wants to have this be a temporary agreement until they get their own service up and running over 5G. I think the more concerning part of this is the idea of bundling a TV service into 5G which could potentially have anti-competitive 
problems with it. It might be fine. It might be like, hey, we'll give you a discount if you have our 5G service on this television service. But if it also doesn't count against data caps or if it's prioritized in any way, then that starts to be a problem. Mm, Indeed. Google says none of its more than 85,000 employees has been successfully fished on work-related accounts since it began requiring physical security keys in early 2017. The keys are usually USB keys like the YubiKey. A Google spokesperson said users might be asked to authenticate using their security key for many different apps or reasons. It all depends on the sensitivity of the app and the risk of the user at that point in time. Yeah, so this could be the solution to the utility problem, right? If it's like, hey, make sure everybody's on a physical two-factor authentication uh, with some kind of key. It can be Yubico's or somebody else's. But the way these work, a lot of people don't realize, is they can work with USB-A. They can work with USB-C. There's even a version that's a little more expensive that can work with a phone uh, through the NFC. But you have to have the key present in order to complete the login. So SMS two-factor is the least secure because there is a method by which people can intercept, you know, spoof your phone number and intercept you. It's not easy, but it's possible. And when I say it's not easy, it's not like you and I could just do it walking off the street, but users can or, or someone who, who wants to do this can do it. Uh, especially if it's targeted. Yeah, yeah. And especially if they're targeting like a CEO or something like that, it's worth the effort. Uh, authenticators are good, but authenticators can also sometimes be mimicked or or or, co- or, or copied off of uh, of a drive or something like that that's much more difficult and authenticators are almost as good as as physical keys but physical keys are the best because if you lose it you deauthenticate it and otherwise you have it and no one else has it so you can't get fished because you can't give them the thing you can get fished with your authenticator by somebody saying hey what's your put your authenticator number in here and then they go and they use that to identify you that can't happen with a physical key as easily yeah, I think in this case, it's for uh, specific purposes of, you know, where convenience is trumped by uh, security needs. For most people, uh, they think the, an authenticator should probably do the job. But uh, in this case, I mean, touting it like this sounds like they're very uh, confident in the fact that they won't be... Um, you know, I mean, a hack might happen at some point to someone in the future, but this is almost inviting uh, uh, people trying to to get in just to, for bragging rights. Yeah, uh, although that's been happening with the FIDO Alliance and WebAuth, and Google's not alone in this. They're they're using a standard, uh, and that standard has been under assault, and it has proved to be very durable. And, and sure. don't forget, stuff like this is under assault all the time anyway. I also want to know how many Google employees lose their... Uh, their YubiKey or equivalent and how often they have to get replaced and no, that's a good question. what kind of havoc that wreaks on the IT department. Yeah, uh, I, I can tell you Eileen had one. She never lost hers, but I, I, I you know, back when she worked at Google, um, but I'm sure there is a, you know, is a, it's, not e- it's not as easy as just walking down to the reception desk and getting another one. It can't be. 
Uh, Google announced a lot of at the Google Cloud Next conference in San Francisco. Smart Reply, which proposes three different responses in Hangout Chat, coming in a few weeks. And Smart Compose, which auto-completes sentences, is coming to G Suite soon. It's been an experimental feature in Gmail since May. For early adopters, grammar suggestions in Google Docs will recognize grammatical errors and offer corrections uh, on a much more sophisticated level than you're used to in a word processor. Auto ML Vision, which helps non-experts create machine learning modules for image and object recognition, is now in public beta. And Google announced two new cloud auto ML domains, one for natural language and one for translation. So those will start to get easier. You won't hear the name Google Duplex mentioned, but a suspiciously similar sounding contact center AI is being bundled with dialogue flows package for call centers to act as the first human sounding voice a caller interacts with on the phone. So again, a much more sophisticated way for you to say, oh, I just need to check my account balance and it will recognize your natural language and do that for you. Or if you have a more sophisticated problem, put you in touch with the right operator. And this is uh, when you are initiating a call with a service, usually that's where it will come in play, unlike Duplex, which initiates the call itself. And as we've seen uh, in the first demo, when it didn't identify itself as an AI or a robot, however you want to call it, people are uncomfortable with it. I think in this case, you're used to having automated systems respond to you. So people weren't uncomfortable be- with it if, if it didn't identify it themselves uh, because they didn't know it was a bot. Exactly. They're only uncomfortable later when they've found Afterward. out. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and all I of those sort of canned responses, I, you know, sometimes when someone calls me on my iPhone, I'll just be like, message you later, because it's one of the default responses. They do come in handy where you're like, I just can't deal with this right now, but I don't want you to think I'm ignoring you. So same idea here, right? In Hangouts. I don't really like the idea of auto-completing my sentences, but I do <laughs> like the idea of when I make grammatical errors, which is rare, but it does happen. Sure. You know, spell spell check me with grammar. Well, auto-completing sentences just, have you used it? You can turn it on in Gmail right now, just not a G Suite. I'm such a... It suggests you you have to take an action to complete the sentence. I know. So what's really helpful for things where like, you know what you're going to say. It's always the same thing and you can just press tab to finish that. Hey, thanks. We'll talk to you later kind of stuff. Right. Especially, you know, the more you work with people on uh, kind of a work basis. And so you're checking in on that level. All right. Now for something completely different. The Flanders Tourist Board, that's in Belgium, was running ads on Facebook featuring the art of Paul Rubens. Have you heard of Paul? If not, one ad showed Rubens's uh, artwork called The Descent from the Cross, which depicts a bare-chested Jesus. Facebook removed the ad, one would assume, because an algorithm probably, or maybe a moderator said, "Hmm, inappropriate content, you know, nudity. The Flanders Tourist Board wrote an open letter to Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg accusing them of cultural censorship. The board also created a video showing fake inspectors removing patrons at a museum who admit to having an account on Facebook as well. Facebook allows nude paintings on the site. That's not against its terms of service. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhones. But has very strict rules for advertisements, which can't show nudity, even if it's artistic. And that video was a was a parody video. They weren't really removing people, but they're saying, oh, is this what you want us to do? Protect Facebook users from seeing nudity? We'll, we'll kick them out of the museum. That's also a very, I mean, Jesus was never like wearing a shirt, right? Like we're all familiar <laughs> with this Shroud of Turin. Right? Sarah, Shroud of Turin. Well, where was that supposed to be? It oh, the shirt been, of Turin. Right. I've been wearing something. Uh, but, the, I, you know, I think the point is, like, Facebook, this is, this is art that n- most people do not consider controversial. Why are you banning this from an ad? It's probably, I mean, we don't have the, the, the answer. It's probably something that is that was automated. And, you know, when you're going to be doing all of these checks permanently on all of the content that's uploaded to your platform, as has been uh, demanded by many people and many authorities, obviously, some of those are going to happen. And the, the tourist boards of Flanders took it with humor and made that really funny video in response. Uh, in France, we had over the weekend um, a, an incident that was a lot less funny. We've been having a political scandal. I'm not going to go into details, but uh, someone, uh, a Belgian person actually, uh, who's uh, managing a website that claims to be parody, but really verges on not fake news, but at least trollish news, uh, was caught up in the algorithm. And of course, given, and it was commenting on that scandal we've been having. And so it gave a lot of fuel to people of many different sides of the political spectrum to say, aha, look, Facebook is censoring this, uh, this, this humoristic site. Are they under the orders of the president or blah, blah, blah. And it's really funny because my feeling, it might be an, uh, anecdotic, but my feeling is that those people who were the first to raise their hands in anger are also the first to demand that Facebook uh, removes whatever they decide is objectionable content uh, at that time. So, yeah, it was it, the the contrast is really stark there. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the the restriction on advertising with nudity was caused by someone saying, oh, well, these artistic nudes are allowed on Facebook. I'm going to use them in my ads. And Facebook saying, no, you're just trying to get around around the rules here. You can't can't show nude stuff in your ads. 
I don't think anyone in their right mind would apply them to <laughs> to Rubens, uh, to classic art. But uh, this moderator or algorithm did not know that uh, and was just trying to follow rules. And that's, you know, the problem of determining where the line is, is the closer you get to trying to figure out the perfect line, the more you find out people have different ideas of what that line is. Well, and, and I, I mean, also, to. it's not like full nudity, bare chested men. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> like that's Facebook is full of that. That's I don't know many people who are like, I'm very offended by this. Unless yeah, it's, you know, well, but it's also against. religious, right? So maybe that's true. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you obviously that's part of the equation, probably in this sense, but uh, just not to drag this on for too long. But I think the conclusion to this, the, the moral of the story is that we have to accept that sometimes Facebook is going to make mistakes and not get all up in, you know, our panties in a bunch or something to that effect every time it happens. Yeah. Well, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, that'll keep all of your articles of clothing nice and smooth. Just subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. <laughs> All right. As we mentioned earlier, Brad Sams at Therot.com Therot has sources telling him Microsoft planning two different pieces of Xbox hardware, a traditional next generation console. Uh, so, you know, the Xbox two or whatever, uh, and a streaming box designed to work with a Microsoft game streaming platform, supposedly codenamed Scarlet Cloud. The console would locally handle things for some game elements. Uh, it's normal for controller input to be handled locally, right? Because then you then you, you take the input, you have it interact with the game, and then the game sends up to the to the cloud. But image processing and collision detection would be handled locally as well. Now that would be combined with Microsoft's extensive worldwide data centers. Think Microsoft Azure; they've got data centers all over the world. So there's one likely close to you to help reduce latency significantly. They push a few more things into the box. They have the data centers, so they can keep latency to a minimum. Both these consoles supposedly might arrive in 2020, uh, Patrick. So this this sort of made you realize, oh, that's what a few of these comments about cloud gaming may have been related to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really interesting. Their approach, there are two things here. Uh, the two consoles, I think you, you kind of, uh, some people might understand that they're different products. They aren't. They're actually the same generation and they're play they would be playing the same game, except if you buy the cheap streaming one, you would only be able to stream them. So you, you would need a, a decent connection. And the more expensive traditional one, you would have a choice of streaming the games or actually buying a disc or buying it online and playing it entirely locally. So that double, uh, uh, offering is really interesting because it gives you the options uh and and the other thing as you mentioned is that in the streaming box uh in all versions it would probably uh it, it would include i'm sorry some local uh, uh computing to mitigate the lag which is obviously the big issue in those uh types of services so if they manage to solve this I can understand that uh, people like uh, C, uh, Ubisoft CEO Yves Guillemot, uh, why he would think that in a few, you know, maybe next generation, maybe the one after that, it's all going to be streaming um, because this is a really clever way of solving all of those issues if it does work the way it's advertised. Uh, he made that comment uh, Ubisoft CEO uh, last month. He made that direct comment. He believes the 
rest of the gaming is going to be streaming all over. So maybe he had insight into Microsoft's plan. Maybe Sony has similar plans uh, in the works, but those seem like they could be really game-changing <laughs> uh, for that yeah. industry. Yeah, I mean, his exact words were, there will be one more console generation, and then after that, we will be streaming, all of us. Uh, and this certainly looks like that. Uh, whether this is the last generation of consoles coming or not is, is to be determined, of course, and, and debated. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny that you're like, no, it's two different. It's not two different products. I mean, it is two different products. It's it's one that can't uh, play games locally and one that can. I was thinking of it as, well, the Xbox right now can stream games. Uh, so this is just going to be an improved version of that kind of Xbox. But then there will be one that's limited. So, But it will it will definitely, no matter what, change the way we look at this, especially because the Therat article also indicates that these Scarlet Cloud games might be able to be played on phones, on tablets. Uh, that, on the current that, Xbox Ones. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. That's a great point. Um, but the reason I'm not making that distinction is that uh, usually you might think, well, in those in those in that configuration, you might have some games that are available by streaming only, some games that are available on disc only, and it seems like this is not what they're going for. Uh, all the games will be available on the di- on disc and on the streaming service, so it's really giving the user options on how they want to handle it. If you have a good console and you're going to be playing the same generation of of games because you know in gaming we we talk in generations ps3 versus xbox uh, 360 ps1 uh ps4 versus xbox one etc etc um but yeah so this could be a, a a way to make this feasible uh much quicker than i anticipated for all of the good things I say about uh, streaming services where I think they, they do work out, um, you still need the, this this really uh, this significant connection speed. And here, with this compromise, or not even compromise, with these options, you can just choose. Um, there's another element which I did want to mention. It's uh, Capcom has announced that uh, Resident Evil 7 will be released on the Switch. And Resident Evil 7 is, of course, a very um, graphics-intensive game. So what they're doing is that they are uh, actually streaming it in the same way that all of the streaming services work. So you only download a very small app, kind of, on your Switch, and you pay a small amount, uh, 2,000 yen, to get uh, six months worth of using not a Capcom streaming service, but just that one game. So I think... uh, uh, Developers and publishers are understanding that these technologies might allow them to uh, bypass the manufacturers because once you have that technology, you don't need to address a specific install base of one console. You can just develop the thing and put your app everywhere and uh, everyone can play either one game specifically or your whole service. It's uh, It has a huge potential. Yeah, Sega's Fantasy Star Online 2 for the Switch works in a similar way. There, there are all kinds of examples for mobile uh, that work in that way, and it does allow you to just sort of leapfrog in and be like, "Yeah, we we made this game for your platform, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> uh, by providing Biohazard Seven Resident Evil Cloud version for the Switch." Yeah, yeah. 
Hey, thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit, gaming news and tech news in general. If you want to submit a story and vote on others, go to dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We are also on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Let's check in with Chris Christensen about new tech and checking in at a Marriott. This is Chris Christensen from Amateur Traveler with another Tech in Travel Minute. Marriott's doing something interesting with facial recognition and self-check-in kiosks. The kiosk scans your ID, takes a photo... And you input your contact details, and it dispenses the room card right there. So even though you're just off a plane, you don't have to talk to anybody. It sounds perfect for introverts like me. And it cuts the time of check-in from around three minutes to under a minute. So that's attractive. Now, they are rolling this out first to Chinese travelers. So this is rolling out in China. But if it's successful, maybe this is something you'll see in a Marriott coming up in your future. I'm Chris Christensen from Amateur Traveler. How do we feel about this? Less FaceTime, <laughs> less human FaceTime. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I get, I get his point that you know it's efficiency, right? Yeah. No, I. Uh, sometimes this is a good idea. It's all about what, how well it works, right? If I can just walk up to a kiosk, check in, and be on my way uh, faster, then yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, remember when you had to check out of hotels? I haven't done that in years. There was a hotel I checked in recently where I had to go up to a kiosk so that someone could use it for me. I'm like, (laughs) well, then why is there a kiosk? Like, obviously, it wasn't working very well. Uh, Good stuff. Uh, Shall we move on to the mailbag, Tom? Let's do. Let's do it. Uh, We got a bunch of feedback, really good feedback from a lot of folks based on our discussion about tech journalism yesterday and what's working and what might change. KV wrote in, I have to lean in agreement towards the article. For years, I've personally been frustrated by the uncritical coverage, seemingly anyway, of major tech companies going back about a decade. Uh, Theranos coverage is one example. Always felt like tech journalists were more starstruck other than getting below the surface. That being said, I'm not saying we should be perpetual combative. Just don't take everything at face value. The media uh, shouldn't inadvertently and as a PR arm, act as a PR arm of the companies in question, celebrating brand fandoms. Personally, I find it distasteful, says KV. Much like they shouldn't be the spokesperson for politicians. If we want consumers of tech and news to be critical thinkers, our press should lead by example. This introspection is valuable as a self-check just to make sure the industry is on the right track. Yeah, and he added one of the reasons he likes uh, to the point of paying for DTNS and text message from Nate Langson is that we are able to take the time to stand back and cut through the marketing PR fandom fog, which may be why I have a different perspective. He is not the only person who wrote in and said, hey, I think this article is pointing out something because I've seen a lot of uncritical press. I look at so many stories every day, uh, and most of them are unfairly critical at least in the headline right there because that's what pulls people in but if you're self-selecting stories because you're like oh well that sounds nice (laughs) i yeah that's probably not it but everyone gets a different selection of stories especially if they're going to different sources i'm going to very solidly technology sources and Again, and I'm much closer to this because I have to look at all this stuff every day to make this show to seeing the constant uh, bashing uh, of things. But also a a few people are like, I don't read an insert outlet here because they're always bashing insert thing I love here. Well, you're doing yourself a disservice. 
every one of these outlets, TechCrunch, Verge, Recode, Ars Technica, CNET, etc., have very good reporters doing work, and they'll also have less good stories get published. If you don't read an entire outlet just because of a few or even a predominance of stories you don't like, you're going to be missing out on some good stuff. I do want to add something about this. I completely agree with KV. I agree with you as well, Tom. Um, it has become extremely critical basically ever since the uh, Brexit and Trump election happened because we realized that tech is uh, can have important effects and the uh, Russian meddling and all of this was, was concerning. Um, you, you have to remember, though, for the past 20 years, we have had a little bit of cheerleading because it was an era of miracles. The internet, the, the computers, the smartphones, those are incredible, incredible things that happen. And it is normal to be enthusiastic. Now we're all taking a step back and trying to understand, well, maybe Elon Musk is not, you know, the second coming of Christ. Uh, and, and let's look at this a little bit more, uh, Keep the shirt on for one thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, there was always some criticism, but there was also a little bit of cheerleading because it was an incredible time to be alive. Tom is is boiling over. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I, some of it would just be me repeating yesterday. But no, if you were watching certain outlets, there was cheerleading and we always disdained those like, ugh, that, you know, that particular mm. report is, is just, you know, at CES particularly, you would see outlets that weren't used to covering tech come in and just speak glowingly about stuff. Sure, and and sure. I think that's the source of this. I don't think the election is, has changed much at all. I felt like there was a lot of vilifying going on for unfortunate and unfair reasons uh, before. And and not because I think that the tech CEOs are heroes, but maybe it's it's all about the filters you put in place and the kinds of stories you read that gives you a different perspective on this stuff. I'm going to refrain from replying again to your <laughs> point. And, and well, I will as well. You know what, Patrick? You can't refrain from telling everybody where they can find more of your work <laughs> online. Well, you know what? If you speak... If you speak French, of course I do. Um, if you speak French or if you feel like you are not progressing fast enough and you're learning French and you're not listening to Le Rendez-vous Tech, what are you doing? Go check it out immediately. Le Rendez-vous Tech at frenchspin.fr. And if you enjoy gaming and my banter about gaming, go check out Pixels in your podcast app right now. Go to the search field, Pixels, subscribe, boom, you're done. Excellent job, you and if you want to talk with all kinds of other folks directly about how they actually use tech unfiltered, uh, there's lots of ways to do that. We have an IRC chat room when we do the show uh, streaming live at 1.30 p.m. Pacific every day. Uh, we've got a Discord. If you're a patron, even just giving us $1 a month, which is $0.05 cents a show, you get access to the Discord. And uh, if you're an analyst at the $20 a month level, uh, which is really just a dollar a show, you get access to a Slack. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to have other perspectives delivered to you besides just ours at patreon.com slash DTNS. If you want to email us, you can do that too. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com is the address. We're also live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. at 2030 UTC and find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. We'll be back tomorrow with Scott Johnson. Talk to you then. part of the frog pants network get more at frogpants.com
you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.